0: I wanted to continue, uh, at least, the theme that Mark has been bringing, the theme of prayer in my mind and I confess my heart, turned to Psalm 103. There's a popular acronym uh, that's employed as a mnemonic device for memory, of course, respecting prayer. I haven't really heard it in a long time. I don't even remember where I first heard it, but it's the acronym ACTS, which spells ACTS. And for this acronym, the A represents adoration. This is uh, to help us remember the things that should be included in prayer. The A represents adoration, the C confession, the T thanksgiving and the S for supplication <clears throat> I had to Google to try to be reminded of what this acronym was and and I found it on a site that's called Prayer for Dummies. <laughs> I, if you know anything about those things, they, they really aren't dumb. They're, it's just they're simplified and they embrace that title. They even have Catholicism for dummies and so on. But at any rate, I found it on prayer for dummies and it explained what this acronym reminded me of what this acronym was and what it represented. And it came to my mind because uh, I think that it falls short, it's helpful of course uh, if used properly but there are at least two things wrong I believe with this approach at least two things perhaps more not just that it may appeal to dummies but <clears throat> that it's somewhat of a dotting the I's and crossing the T's that's been discussed here over the last number of years, the idea of making a list and checking it twice and that sort of thing. There's just a concern if you if you look at it, if you approach it that way, if, okay let's see, did I get the A, did I do the C, did I remember the T, And What about the S and that sort of thing? And it becomes formal and and thus dangerous. And I think that uh, the scripture approach, of course, is a whole lot better. And, uh, but I wanna look at this Psalm 103 in connection with the idea of something that I feel, and maybe it's only in my life, but I feel that Thanksgiving If we do look at this acronym, thanksgiving is often neglected. That we adore, we praise God, we have opportunity to praise God. And oftentimes a prayer will begin with praising God. And and, and confession perhaps isn't used as frequently as it should, but confession nonetheless is probably employed. And supplication. Most certainly, supplication is. I'm going to suggest the most most used (coughs) part of this acts part of this acronym that we find ourselves. And I have to admit again that I look back on a prayer. (coughs) Excuse me. And I feel like I've just been standing there, and I realize that our Father in Heaven is merciful. And like as a father pities his children, so he pities us. But nonetheless, from my perspective, I feel like I've just been asking for stuff all the time. All the time asking for this and asking for that. I don't know if you can sympathize with that or not, but I thought that Psalm 103 would be a, a blessing to look at. We, we read <clears throat> Psalm 32 in its entirety that begins, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom Jehovah imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. That man is blessed, and and Paul cites that in Romans chapter four from David. That man is blessed, whose sin is covered, whose transgression is forgiven, and so on and in whose spirit there is no guile. And that's the first two verses. This guile seems a little bit oddly placed and yet when you go on to read more of that Psalm 32, you'll see rather swiftly what David is speaking of, what he has spoken of when he says, in whose spirit is no guile. This is the one who's blessed because his sin is covered his transgression is forgiven and <clears throat> Jehovah is not going to impute iniquity to him and thus I believe that it's thus there is no guile in his spirit there's no guile and he goes on to say when I kept silence my bones wasted away through all my groaning and so on my moisture was changed as with the drought why? because he was hiding his sin he was exercising guile. He was deceiving himself or being deceived, and there was guile. But for the man whose sin is covered and whose transgression is forgiven, for whom Jehovah is not going to impute iniquity, there's no guile in his spirit any longer. It's been removed, the necessity's been removed. Verses 3 through 5 confirm that, I believe. But I would ask us to consider. <clears throat> tonight that the church is a gathering of people whose transgressions have been forgiven whose sin is covered and the response then is and should be bless Jehovah O my soul and all that within me is bless Jehovah O my soul and forget not all his benefits is not the Church of Jesus Christ as I said comprised of those whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered who would ever imagine such a thing and yet we have had it revealed to us that God has provided an answer and he has raised the question in our hearts what are you going to do with this sin you're outside outside of my uh, commandments you've stepped out of my law now what are you going to do It's an amazing thing. Grace truly is amazing. Do we not then come together to bless Jehovah in worship, to render unto Him thanksgiving for all His mercies? Yes, there's room for these other things, but do we not come together and remember all these mercies that we have received? Do we not more often forget all his benefits, or at least so many of them. We do that in human relationships, do we not? Somebody does something for us, or somebody gives us something, and we forget to thank them. But this is God. This is God who has given us his only begotten son in order that he might bring us to himself as sons and daughters, and we forget all his benefits. And I believe that's what undergirds David's penning, this 103rd Psalm, that we might respond to that need and hopefully desire to give thanks to God for all his mercies and to bless him, to bless his name for all these benefits that we've received, benefits that never would have even come to our mind. And yet here we have them And we have been given the gift of faith that we read the scriptures and learn of many of these benefits and are ever learning and will be ever learning of all these benefits. David's desire here is to bless Jehovah for all his benefits. He truly is counting his blessings instead of sheep. Psalm 103 is man's reply to the benedictions of God, the benedictions that we read of in Psalm 32. Blessed is the man. And David responds to that blessedness with this psalm. It's David's response. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Blessed or blessed, the word is ashar. And it can be translated happy. And that's what... Uh, Leah's uh, maid servant Zilpah gave a son through that uh, method. gave a son to Jacob because Leah couldn't conceive, conceive. But Leah was so happy that she named this son Asher, which means happy. Happy is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. If if we're happy and blessed, then we ought to be praising God and remembering and not forgetting all his benefits. And we ought to be thanking him again and again, over and over, in many ways, with our lips, with our lives, thanking him, blessing Jehovah. Oh, my soul, David says. Blessed is the man unto whom Jehovah imputeth not iniquity. Jeho- or David reciprocates this blessing as I've been suggesting in Psalm 103 when he says, "Bless Jehovah. <coughs> and the word there that's translated "bless," although you might expect it would be the same or a form of the same word from Psalm 32, it's not. It's a different word because, I'm going to say, because we're being called to bless Jehovah, bless God. And the word is Barak. And I'm not even going down the road with that. Trying to figure out how we can put blessing and Barak together. But nonetheless, David is crying out, bless Jehovah, Barak, bless. And it means to bless. And it means to kneel down. It means to worship, to bless God, to give him thanks. Giving thanks. Oh my soul and all that in me is, he has said. The 32nd Psalm includes the ascription, as I mentioned when I began reading it, a psalm of David Moskell, a psalm of instruction, teaching, teaching in this case the utter blessedness of the forgiven sinner. Is there anything more blessed? Can does anything come to your mind? more blessed than being, having your sin forgiven your, and covered in your transgression set aside and your sins and iniquities not being imputed to you. What should be the response then to that undeserved forgiveness? Undeserved by the sinner that is. What should be the response? I believe that David provided here in Psalm 103 the inspired answer to that question when he penned this very psalm. This psalm has not the inscription "Moskil," but it strikes me that it nonetheless gives us instruction by way of David's example, by way of example, the example of a great sinner who was conspicuously forgiven. Blessed Jehovah, O my soul. Just what does it mean to have transgressions forgiven? It means his sin is covered. What does it mean to have sin covered? It means God will never impute iniquity. That constitutes absolute blessedness, David has said. That person is blessed. He is in a happy position. His position before God has been changed. And his condition is being changed. And in whose spirit there is no guile. There's no longer any need felt by the sinner, by this blessed man for guile. He once practiced guile, as I said, in seeking to cover his sins. But now his God has covered them. His heart has become an open book. It's always a lot easier and more comfortable to walk around with everything open, isn't it? Instead of being afraid somebody's going to charge you with something because you're keeping secrets. He has confessed his sin. His heart's an open book and God will not impute it to him. He will not lay his sins upon him because he has laid his sins upon another. Capital A, another. He has laid those sins upon another. He has imputed them to another. Heartfelt thanksgiving should be the response. Heartfelt thanksgiving is the response that David is calling for. And I fear it may often be overlooked. And I would call myself to remember the benefits better than I have and I would call on each of us to do so one biographer in speaking of the prayer life of Thomas Boston Thomas Boston was a, an 18th century Scottish minister as they call him over there but he led an exemplary life suffered a lot for his faith and so on and and according to this biographer, he had a, 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 a wonderful prayer life and in a small section that was titled Thomas Boston's Prayer Life. He says this about Boston, he says, in every condition he found an errand to the heavenly mercy seat for comfort in affliction, guidance in perplexity, help to repel temptation, strength for hourly duties, and double strength for sacred work. He hastened with his empty vessel to the fountain of life, wrestling for the blessing Until the dawning of the day. What's the problem with that? And I don't have any desire. And no intention to defame Thomas Boston. Yet there's an absence of thanksgiving here. It may be the fault of his biographer. But there's an absence of thanksgiving. He's praying for comfort. He's praying for guidance. He's praying for help. He's praying for strength. He's praying for double strength. These blessings, wrestling for the blessings, for the blessings to him. And I don't believe for a minute that Thomas Boston was particularly lax in giving thanks, but I'm just bringing this out because this biographer evidently didn't think to protect Boston from any such charge. He didn't include thanksgiving. And as I said, maybe it's the biographer's fault, but I just use it as an example. But David, David verily cries out, Bless Jehovah, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I desire to magnify his name, to lift his name up for all that he's done for me. Bless Jehovah, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Because we are prone to forget benefits. David then begins to delineate or to enumerate those many benefits that he's received and he speaks first of divine forgiveness he speaks of divine forgiveness he says who forgiveth all thine iniquity who healeth all thy diseases I know that we pray for our brother for his cancer treatments I know that we pray for Neil's brother and others that are ill we are to pray for healing of physical diseases but I think that David probably had more in mind spiritual diseases. The disease that we call sin. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Who healeth all thy diseases. This is one of the first benefits. How could we ever forget that? And yet we still have sin. We still have remaining sin. And we can still take something like that for granted. And forget to give God thanks. In Psalm 30. a psalm of David as well in verses 2 and 3 he puts these things together that I mentioned about the healing and diseases he says "O Jehovah my God I cried unto thee and thou hast healed me Then he goes on, O Jehovah, thou hast brought up my soul from Sheol. Thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Now he wasn't going to go down to the pit because he had measles. You understand? He's talking about healing from spiritual disease. And I believe he is in Psalm 103 as well. He forgave all his iniquities. He healed all his diseases and he crowned him with loving kindness that covenant love that we spoke of a year or so ago he crowned him with loving kindness and tender mercies oh that we might thank him that we might thank him and not forget that we might thank him again and again throughout the day every day every week every month always be in a spirit of thanksgiving he renewed his youth David says further down in 103, he renewed his youth like the eagle. You remember that passage, that well-known passage in Isaiah 40, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not become faint. It's like a renewal. It almost seems like it might be a figure, a figure of their generation, a figure of new birth. He says renewed my life and he thanks him for that renewal whatever it involved he showed his glory to david in forgiving his terrible sins david seems to be bringing exodus 34 6 you know when when moses cried unto god Lord, show me thy glory. And he pronounced his name to Moses in Exodus 34. You remember that. And David is referring in verse 8 of this psalm, Jehovah is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. He's reciting those words that God spoke to Moses. And it seems almost as though he's bringing that to bear on his situation He's he he's he's almost saying that God showed him His glory in saving him. He showed him His name in regenerating him, and he and he thanks God for that, and he and he and he brings out all these all these attributes of God in this psalm. He brings out here here. In these words that, that he brings out from Exodus 34 as a fountainhead, God's name, God's truth, God's reality, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, plenteous, plenteous in mercy. And God has been patient and long-suffering with him. David speaks of him saying he will not chide. He will not, he will not always chide. He's been patient and long-suffering. We appreciate when somebody's patient with us. Do we not? Do we thank them? Maybe, maybe not. But God has been patient with us. He's foreborn with us longer than we can imagine. And he's been long-suffering. He will not always chide nor keep his anger forever. And David is remembering that. Don't forget that, David. Don't forget that he hasn't thrown this back at you. He doesn't chide over and over again. Yeah, once, once he did. He sent Nathan, in fact, to do his chiding for him, we might say. And, and Nathan told him, brought his sin before his face and said, Thou art the man. But God isn't chiding him for that anymore. And David is thankful and he's rendering thanksgiving unto Jehovah and he says again, he's removed our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed them from us. You ever ask yourself about that? How far do you think the east is from the west? Do you have any idea how far the east is from the west? That's how far God has removed our transgressions from us. It's like asking how high is the sky? But of course, somebody would try to tell you that, but they, they can't tell you how far the East is from the West. But he's removed our transgressions and he's removed David's transgressions from him as far as the East is from the West. And David's delighted in giving him thanks. We're reminded of the conclusion. Perhaps I should say, I was reminded of the conclusion of John's Gospel. You know, when he informed us that that the world couldn't contain all the books that would have to be written if he were to tell all the things that Jesus had done, all his healings, all his miracles. The world couldn't contain all the books that would have to be written. And I believe that here David is struggling to enumerate all the benefits God had bestowed upon him. As the heaven of heavens cannot contain God, so his benefits cannot be contained. How great, how merciful, how glorious, how loving, how holy, how absolutely wondrous is our God. Forget not all his benefits. You remember those 10 lepers in Luke 17? You remember those 10 lepers? They cried unto Jesus, Master. Have mercy on us and heal us. And as they, he told them to go show themselves to the priest. He didn't wash their skin or touch them, or he just said, Go show yourself to the priest. That's what lepers were supposed to do when they were healed. And they, they went off and they were healed. Did they come back and give thanks to Christ? No, they didn't. One did. One came back, only one. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice glorifying God and he fell on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. I'm not calling Arminians Samaritans. You understand when I say this, but how many Arminians put us to shame giving of thanks. How many unregenerate perhaps put us to shame in their thankfulness? God's all, all his benefits, God's all cannot be praised with less than our all. All that is within me, David says. Shall we be ingrates? Shall we be known as ingrates? Even if only by ourselves? Shall we be known as ingrates? Then David calls upon the angels to help him. Come alongside. You can almost imagine him. Bless Jehovah, ye his angels, he says. <coughs> All ye his hosts, he says, which... I suspect is another reference to the angels, which are referred to as hosts many times. The armies of God. You remember remember when the Syrians were were surrounding Elisha and his young servant in 2 Kings 6. And and Elisha was praying. What are you doing, Elisha? Why are you just praying? We need to get out of here. What's going on? And Elisha prayed and said open the young man's eyes. And the, and the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And he saw the whole army. The host of heaven. Surrounding them and surrounding the Syrians. All ye his host David calls upon. His armies. His legions. To bless Jehovah with him. We already, we already heard this morning. Our brother reminded us of those words of Christ to those who thought to defend him in the garden with their sword. He said, thinkest thou that I cannot beseech my father and he shall even now send me more than 12 legions of angels. Angels everywhere, (laughs) they're everywhere. And David's crying unto them, he's calling upon them to help him bless Jehovah. To help him remember all his benefits, to help him to give thanks, to help him to praise God. One of the commentators of the psalm is a man by the name of Sir Richard Baker. If I remember correctly, that's the the volume that Mrs. Charles Spurgeon gave uh, as a gift to some folks, but at any rate, he says this, If to bless the Lord were no more but to say, Lord, Lord, then my tongue alone would be sufficient for it, and I should not need to trouble any other about it. But to bless the Lord is an eminent work and requires not only many but very able agents to perform it. And therefore, my soul, when thou goest about it, go not alone, but take with thee all that is within thee. All the forces in thy in whole magazine, whether it be my heart or my spirits, whether my will or my affections, my understanding or my memory, take them all with thee, Baker says, and bless the Lord. Bless Jehovah, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. David says here, as we already looked, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He desires to bless his God with all his being, every aspect of his frame. Bless Jehovah, O my soul. Bless God. In New Testament terms, it might be, O my psyche, bless God. The Lord, oh my psyche, we could say, I think. Consider J.B. Hurd's remark from our Thursday class recently. He said this, thus the psyche or soul of Scripture is the sum total of man's natural powers. The life is born into the world and all that it contains or can attain to. David would bless God with the sum total of every natural power in all that it contains or can attain unto. All that is within me, bless his holy name. With all thy heart and with all thy might and with all thy soul. Even as we are to love God so, we would desire to bless God. I wish to point out once more, if you haven't already picked up on it, that in Psalm 103 there's not one word of supplication. David isn't asking for anything. He's received all. He doesn't ask for anything. There's no supplication, there's no petition, but all thanksgiving. And there's this closing burst of thanksgiving, it seems, to the one who gave, to the giver calling in these angels, and one is written, The morning stars sang together, and the sons of God shouted for joy at the sight of creation, issuing from the Creator's hands. Speaking of the angels, rejoicing at the creation. But I ask, how much more shall the angels joy over the new creation, the new creation about which David is speaking here, I believe. Does that not anticipate perhaps Revelation 5? Revelation five eleven through 14. Listen, and I saw and I heard a voice of many angels round about the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands saying with a great voice worthy is the lamb that hath been slain to receive the power, and riches, and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and what? And blessing. And every created thing which is in the heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all things that are in them, heard I saying, unto him that sitteth on the throne, and unto the Lamb, be the blessing, and the honor, and the glory, and the dominion forever and ever and the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped blessed Jehovah O my soul forms the Alpha and the Omega of Psalm 103 the first and the last verses of this Psalm blessed Jehovah O my soul let us pray oh Father Oh God, make us to be thankful. Quicken our minds, quicken our hearts. Keep us from forgetting anything that thou hast done for us. May we study thee in thy mercy and thy grace through Christ. And may we, with David, bless Jehovah, O oh my soul, in all that is within us. We ask through Jesus Christ. Amen. Just stand, please, for the minute.